2023 feels like it's off to a pretty good start so far. And I, I know sometimes Christians, we can over-spiritualize things, and I'm always trying to be mindful that I'm not doing that. Uh, that being said, it really does feel like there's been a shift in the spirit as we crossed over into 2023. Uh, even just the last couple of Sundays that we've had in worship and in scripture together have just felt especially powerful. God is up to something, and I see it in the worship team, I see it in the staff, and I see it as I talk to you guys, that God is up to something this year. And to be honest, I don't know the fullness of what it is, but it just feels different, and it feels exciting, and it feels good. And part of that, part of the connection to that is what you'll hear about this morning. And so back in the fall, uh, Greg Weens, who is our board chair, uh, came to me and just said, some of the men have been getting together. Uh, we just have in our hearts that Meadowbrook, uh, we just want to connect with our men better and challenge our men better and have a place for our men to connect and go deeper in their walk with Jesus. And so from that became a, a conversation ongoing over a number of months and prayer um, and discussion. And, and so the men got together and were planning and then it would go to the staff, which we would you know, talk and pray into it and discern, and the board was involved in the discernment process. Uh, but what has come together is just a very pure heart, uh, a desire to go deeper with Jesus, right? And here at Meadowbrook Church, we are all about helping people take their next steps with Jesus. And so the question has become, how do we do that? Uh, and so uh, a new sort of direction for men's ministry has been stirring and being birthed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're very excited to share some of that with you today, as well as the Word of God. So I actually I'm on vacation basically this morning. I don't have to do much uh, other than introduce. And so we're going to have Greg Ween share and John Dyke share and Henry Peters share. They're going to bring the word this morning. Uh, and the word is not just for the men, but for all of us. But would you welcome Greg as he gets ready and comes first of all. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Mike, just so you're aware, I'm going to let you forward the slides. Pastor Chris makes it look pretty easy when he comes up here Sunday mornings. And uh, so for us who don't do it very often, uh, if we can get some extra help. And so Mike's going to help me a little bit this morning. You guys may recall that uh, last fall in November, uh, we did a presentation on behalf of the bridge. And uh, that presentation uh, entailed uh, us talking about relationships. And at that time, we had George Bergen come up and share some things. And uh, then we had John Dyke came up and shared some things. And then we had DeLandon came up and shared some personal thoughts. And by the time it was my turn, there was no time left. So I got smart, and this Sunday I'm going first. <laughs> I want to make sure I get everything that the Lord has put on my heart uh, I want to share with each one of you. But we're going to spend a few minutes in review uh, as far as what happened that Sunday and also what's been happening uh, again in our lives and with our next steps. So, uh, relationships. If you recall, that Sunday we talked about uh, the youth. We talked about how uh, George developed relationships with various volunteers, and John did as well. Uh, for me, uh, I could share many stories as far as the relationships I've been able to build with the youth. And in listening to them and talking to them, a lot of things have come out in regards to um, their relationships and their lack of relationships. They're always looking for somebody, searching for somebody to believe in them. They're always looking for somebody to have, give them respect. They're always looking for uh, a desire for someone to believe in, and love and care about them. And when I stop and look at that list, I think they're no different than the rest of us. We're all desiring those same types of things in our relationships. 
And so the Christmas season has just passed. How have you done in your relationships over the Christmas holidays? Have you been building into your relationships? Have you been focusing more on dealing with the harder relationships? And I hope and pray that you have been. If you also recall that Sunday, uh, Landon got up and shared a little bit about his relationship that's being developed with the Lord and how in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, uh, it talks about uh, the hunger uh, for a relationship. And Landon shared, again, just his burning desire to go deeper, studying God's word, praying to God more. And he challenged each one of us uh, to go deeper in, in our relationship with the Lord. And so how are you doing in that regard and so just as a quick review, we'll read Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 again. And as you recall, uh, we put it into first person. So as we're reading this, or as you're reading it, say, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know him better. I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened in order that I may know the hope to which he has called me, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. God has called us. Uh, we're going to share this morning how the Lord has just put it on our hearts to do more as far as our relationship with the Lord, to be more accountable to each other as men. And uh, this is one of the things we want to do this morning. For further review, uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Chris shared with us the story in Mark chapter 10, Mark 10, 51. And that story was about blind Bartimaeus. And I'm sure most of us remember that story. And, uh, and again, in Mark 10, verse 51 and 52, it says, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. A lot of us that Sunday thought about that. Oops. That's why I'm having Mike do this, and I don't have to. Um, just in regards to uh, where we're at in our relationship with the Lord, and the fact that blind Bartimaeus wanted to receive his sight, and Pastor Chris challenged us in 2023, what do we want? Uh, we're asking Jesus this question. In 2023, what would you like Jesus to do for you? And each one of us answered that, own question, that question in our own way. And oftentimes when we leave Sunday mornings, we're pumped up. And then Monday comes along. And then Tuesday comes along. We've totally forgot everything that uh, we heard on Sunday mornings. And so since that point in time, since two weeks ago, how many of us have asked Jesus, prayed to Jesus for that same thing that we prayed that Sunday, or have we forgotten? And I hope we haven't. I hope we're still praying for that item that the Lord has put on our heart. Last Sunday, Pastor Chris talked about Elijah and Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal and God. And again, we read in, Eli in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21 and 22, where it says, So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? 
If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. And again, Pastor Chris asked us the question, how long will we waver? How long will we waver before we take our next steps with the Lord? What is he asking us to do? What is he asking each one of us to do? How are we taking our next steps? So again, since last week, are you still wavering? Or have you taken some positive steps in your relationship with the Lord? For me, there's been, uh, I've been blessed. And uh, for me, my next steps entail uh, being an example to others. And one of the main reasons I want to be an example to others is obviously my love for the Lord, but also how he has blessed me. And I want to take a few minutes and share a little story in regards to my parents. I was blessed to be born in a Christian home. I was blessed to have parents who loved me, who I knew when I went home at night, it was a safe place for me, not like some of the youth that I worked with at the bridge. I was blessed to watch my dad get up first thing in the morning and spend time in God's word. I was blessed to see my mom in the evenings. She would be reading her Bible before she went to bed. I was blessed to have parents who had devotions with me from time to time. The challenge for us as parents out there this morning is, are you being an example to your kids? Are they seeing the walk of Jesus in your life the way you talk it? I also had the opportunity to spend 15 years working with my dad. And again, um, there, uh, if, you, if you have a working relationship with your son, and I know John works with his son, and maybe I should ask Jonathan uh, what, how that relationship goes uh, some days. Some days it goes really good. Other days, maybe not quite so good. For me, I drove with my dad a half hour to work and from work. And so I was a prisoner in that car. And so I got a lot of sermons. Uh, many, many sermons over the years as far as uh, what it is to walk with the Lord. And my dad not just talked to me about it, but it was evident in the employees he had. It was evident in uh, the customers he dealt with. You could tell uh, he walked his faith. And it was such an example to me of what it means to follow the Lord and my dad wasn't perfect. He was far from perfect. Um, he had pride issues, uh, and I also have those pride issues. Uh, he also dealt with some physical disabilities. He also dealt with uh, some children uh, of his who didn't follow the Lord like he wanted them to. That's hard for adult parents, and some of us are in that position today. And that's difficult. But yet his faith never wavered. He always followed the Lord no matter what was going on in his life. And that is a true example for me. I haven't spent a lot of time talking about my mom. Uh, my dad, by the way, passed away in 2021. And uh, as a result uh, of that, I said it uh, back, I think, about a year ago, shortly after he passed away. But I had no regrets as far as that relationship with him goes. Uh, we had a wonderful earthly relationship. And... We didn't, uh, again, not everybody's able to have that experience, but everybody sitting in this room this morning has an opportunity to have a positive impact in people's lives. And are you willing to be that example? Are you willing to take your next step as, as you follow uh, the Lord's leading? 
I haven't spent a lot of time talking about my mom. Uh, my mom is currently still alive. She's in the Mennonite home. Uh, my mom has dementia. And uh, there are days where she remembers who I am, and there are other days where I'm just a familiar face. And that's okay. Um, she's still my mom. I still love her. Uh, it's interesting. I'll share a little story, and this isn't to make fun of my mom, but it is to demonstrate how people change. And my mom, growing up, uh, was a lady who always liked to dress very particularly. Everything had to match. She always had to look good. That's just who she was. Uh, she always was very conscious about her figure and what she would eat and not eat to maintain her, her female figure. And uh, very important to her. Well, today, my mom will get dressed in the morning and she'll see an outfit uh, and she'll put it on. The next morning, she'll see that same outfit and she'll put it on again because she didn't remember she wore that same outfit yesterday. And growing up, she would have never done that. No way would you ever wear an outfit two days in a row. But my mom wears the same outfit three or four days in a row now. I'll also bring my mom some snacks. I'll bring her some uh, chocolates and some chips sometimes. Uh, she likes dark chocolate, so I'll bring her the dark chocolate Lindors and I'll put some in her drawer beside her. And uh, a few minutes later, she'll open up the drawer, grab a chocolate, unwrap it, and mmm, that's really good. A few minutes later, she'll open up the drawer, grab another chocolate, and have another chocolate. And she'll do that until the chocolates are gone. Well, my mom doesn't remember that she just had a chocolate a minute ago. So for her, it's all good. I'm, she's just having one chocolate. That's all she's having is just one. So, again, I share that because uh, I love my mom. She's very different than she was growing up. Uh, she's not the same uh, person as far as personality, but she's still my mom. And so, again, in our relationships with others, people change, but our love for them should never change. And it's a perfect example of what Jesus does for us, right? He loves us no matter what. He cares about us no matter what. He desires us to take our next steps. Each one of us in this room is a person of influence. We can influence all those that we interact with, whether it's at work, or whether it's at home, uh, or whether it's with our families. And so as a person of influence, are you being an example to others? And that's one of my challenges for this morning. Another one is obviously taking your next step. And Henry's going to come up now and share what the Lord has laid on his heart about him taking his next step. Thank you, Greg. I, uh, I also, like Greg, got, uh, got smart and went second. <laughs> I was originally supposed to be last, but uh, yeah, here I am. Um, you know, something that the, the Lord has laid on my heart uh, this week, and I, I actually wasn't really going to share it, but since I'm here, um, you know, it's, it's part of taking next steps. And... You know, I was reading my, my Bible and this week, and uh, as I was reading it, something that really stuck out for me was uh, as I was reading uh, Exodus and the story of Moses there, uh, Exodus 14, uh, 15 and 16, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you still crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on, raise your staff and, and divide the waters, you know? Sometimes, you know, for me anyway, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant uh, sometimes to make moves. So, 
serving the Lord lately for the last couple of years for me was, um, I don't want to say difficult, but I wrestled. And, and to put myself out there was a real challenge. And, and here today, uh, part of taking next steps, I, with these gentlemen, are ready to take next steps. So instead of me just constantly crying out to the Lord, why is this, why is that, what will you do for me, uh, I'm ready. So, um, so we're talking about next steps and what that looks like for each of us is, is quite different. But in many aspects, it's the same. Uh, if we want to grow upward, inward, and outward, we can't do it alone. Um, most of us have had somebody in some, one aspect or another uh, invest in us and, and believe in us, right? And if you've been around the church for any length of time, um, you know that, uh, gee, what, the, what Jesus did, the, the route that he took. You know, he, he took 12 men underneath his umbrella or his wing and, and walked with them for three years or so. And, and developed them, invested in them. But he also had a core three guys that he, uh, had, they were a bit closer than the rest of them. And so he developed them and, and really, you know, focused on them. But there was a guy in the, in the Bible, in the book of Acts, that, that took this example and, and brought it to the test. And that was uh, Barnabas in the book of Acts, and this guy he took under his wing was Mark. Um, he's also known as John Mark. Uh, Mark likely became a believer um, from his mom and his and the community, uh, the the church. Because if you look at the early part of Acts chapter twelve, you know there's uh, you know Peter. He just happens to walk out of prison, and you know, miraculously, when he, the angel let him out, and he knocks on the, on the gate, outside gate, of, of uh, the house of Mark, or like mother's, his mother, uh, his mother. Uh, but he had people that invested in him. You know, he had his family, he had the church, because the church was at his house. He had people that were ready to, to invest in him. But somehow... Uh, Barnabas finds him and he takes him on a journey. If you look at Acts chapter 12, verse 25, it says, When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. So here Mark starts his journey, his world tour with Barnabas and Saul. Also, Saul was better known as Paul, leaving the comfort of his surroundings. If you were to pick any two guys to, to follow and lead you and, and teach you the, the ways of Jesus Christ, I can't think of any two better guys than, than Paul and Barnabas to walk with you, right? You know, we really don't know a whole lot about Mark's, you know, process in his journey, but he grew in his walk with Jesus. But we, we know some of the bumps in the road that he took. We know that at some point he left the mission. In Acts chapter 15, uh, verse 36 to 41, it says, Sometime later, Paul, and, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go and visit the believers in the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. 
Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through uh, Syria and Cilicia, uh, strengthening the churches. So Mark abandons the mission in Pamphylia. We don't know if Mark got homesick or if he got cold feet after possibly seeing uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas maybe taking a a few beatings. Or maybe he was simply discouraged, but Barnabas wasn't ready to give up on Mark. He seen something in Mark that Paul didn't see. I sense that Barnabas seen that Mark was covered or marked by the Holy Spirit. And because Barnabas didn't toss Mark to the curb, and Mark's perseverance with the the help of others and the help of the Holy Spirit, he became one of the pillars of the church, even to this day. If you read 2 Timothy 4.11, it says, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Now, Paul was in, in help or needed help, right? So years later, time goes by. Who does he, who does he call for, for help? The very guy that he was ready to give up on. You know, Mark had three things going for him. First and foremost, he had believed in the resurrection and the power of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was working within him. Second, he had the support of his family. We see his mother uh, welcoming the church in her home in Acts chapter 12, verse, tw- uh, verse 12. She, she believed in this mission. And third, he had key mentors that walked alongside him. But just like us, in the middle of the battle, you know, he probably got scared, discouraged, tired, all the human things. And it, at times, probably started to believe the lies that often creep in. But he allowed the influence of the believers and the people that he surrounded himself with and the power of the Holy Spirit to trump the lies that often get, we get tangled up in. When I came to know Jesus, there were several men that had invested in me. The church had invested in me. Mind you, it didn't look anything like what the scripture examples show where someone would walk with another person for for three straight years. But that model has proven to be successful. As I reflect back, you know, it's been an awesome journey. In certain moments, they were tough, but I got to see God move. One man in particular took some interest in me, and in the first couple years of my Christian walk, we got to go for coffee, and at times we would see each other at work. He and his family would have our family over, and in these times, he would encourage me. He would pray, we would pray together. 
I would often ask the tough questions, and he didn't always have the answers. And that was okay. We wrestled together, and at times, he would let me wrestle it on my own. He challenged me to take my next steps, to not be afraid, but to wait on the Lord. And I've had to relearn that many times. But because of him and guys like him, I've grown in my walk. And I am where I am today because of people like him that have been willing to invest in me. As many of you know, Mark went on to write what we believe as being one of the first Gospels, or the first Gospel, I mean, the Gospel of Mark. Because he took his next steps, made himself available to the Lord, God was able to do awesome things and leave a legacy that we are still influenced by today. And Barnabas passed down the baton. He used what he had, what he had been given, and what God had, been, had given him to pass it down to somebody else. It didn't stop with him. How are we making ourselves available? How are, what, are, what do our next steps look like? Are we ready to take our next steps? Just like Greg, I am. Thanks. I'll pass this on to John. That's almost sermon enough, I think. Thanks, Chris, for taking a risk on us. <laughs> what risk? It's been great. Um, I just, when I uh, recap the last, uh, actually when I go back, all the way back to spring of last year, um, and I remember hearing when Chris was preaching at different times, uh, the whole word, the word of discipline. Uh, and so each of us, God is calling each of us uh, through different means, with different words at times to, um, not to somehow coerce us into following him. Um, he's, he's a good father. Any good father um, is not going to just expect his children to obey because I said so. Maybe when they're small enough <laughs> at times. But when they're of age and when there's rational thought and reason, um, we as parents do things uh, sometimes to our children, for our children, ask of things of them because we love them and we want the best for them. And so that's the same with our Heavenly Father, right? He calls us um, and asks us to follow certain principles, to stay within these boundaries. Not, that's he, not because he's trying to uh, ruin the fun, but because he loves us and he wants good things to come from us, uh, for us and from us. All the way back to uh, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 uh, to 20. A lot of people put glasses on to read. I take them off. <laughs> so then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I give, have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
What a neat promise. The disciples left for Galilee as they'd been told. Obedience is one of the prerequisites to experiencing God moving in our lives. Let me repeat that. Obedience is one of the things that almost always comes before God doing something in our lives. God shows up sometimes completely without that, granted. Um, but as a rule, at least in, in my life, what I found is um, when I'm ready to respond and I take those steps of faith, and we've got some stories, I won't share them all this morning, um, there's a rich history, and I've, I've told Lena at different times, I think we need to write a book. Um, and my story um, probably matches who God made me to be in a way there where I'm, I'm extroverted. Um, I approach people fairly easily. Um, sometimes I make a fool of myself because I thought I knew them. <laughs> Only to realize that I didn't know them, but I was still supposed to go talk to them because the next day he's in my office at church there was a need and uh, so many times like that when I was willing to step in and give of myself uh, there's a ton that came back um, and God is in the habit of doing that so it's not a transaction so we don't want to get it confused uh, get God confused with some kind of a genie or a pop machine where you walk over and you don't get what you want you kick it um, maybe shake it a bit. Um, however, persistence is a good character. God's not a pot machine or a vending, uh, somehow that we have this vending transaction per se, but um, again, this stands out as the, the, uh, the pattern of typically how he moves in our lives, even today. Um, we respond to his call, um, and he in turn does stuff for us. And when I mean stuff, uh, that, that maybe is, is too trivial of a word, uh, but he moves. Jesus employed a model of disciple-making, as uh, Henry talked about, that involved spending intentional time with the chosen few. He taught to them as they journeyed together. Even though the early disciples uh, had Jesus with them physically, after his resurrection, some of them doubted. This is really comforting for me, because sometimes I doubt and, uh, and I'm so glad for those stories, those honest stories of people wrestling. Thomas gets, I think, an unfair crack. What a, what a terrible name, Doubting Thomas, right? Um, uh, that's me. And, uh, and I need a God who's gracious enough to give me room to doubt. And so I don't encourage doubting, but I encourage you to keep pushing through the doubt. Um, because often very rich things come from a time spent when you're not sure, and yet you still engage with God. You still stay true to him. When the disciples encountered Jesus, they were moved to worship. That's the right response. When God does something, when we recognize that he is doing something, we worship him. It's the right response. The passage seems to indicate they all worshipped, but some doubted. The reality of the human condition hasn't changed. We still need God to be gracious with us as humanity, ongoing. For some of us, doubt is a very real thing. Um, I feel that 
uh, a great thing to do in spite of that doubt is to worship, right? Uh, I think I think that's one of the uh, sort of the antidotes or the uh, I don't want to say the fix to doubt, um, but but I think uh, we can push through an awful lot of doubt if we worship Him through it. Um, and there's I think there's a reason why, uh, simply because we're reminded of who he is in our time, in our moments of pain. Um, so the worship isn't necessarily just so that God's ego group gets bigger, because I don't know that, that that's the case at all. Uh, in the end, it's for us, right? To remember, to remember, to remember what God has done. The Israelites were often told that, right? Don't forget. Don't forget what I've done for you. Look what I've done for you. And yet they complained. We want onions. We want meat. All these things that, in essence, were trivial compared to the miracles that he had done for them. And, uh, and here's my human condition again, right? Finding times of doubt. Uh, even though God has done these amazing things in, in my past and in, in, in my story, why do I keep doubting at times? And so the key is, is not to get caught up in that doubt, but to push through it. And, uh, and as a result... Um, expecting that God uh, will continue to move. So as is stated in the passage, um, this effort is, uh, and, uh, and, sorry, I'm jumping ahead here in thought. Um, our next slide, I think, is our a bit of an organizational chart um, to what we're trying to in- introduce to, uh, to Meadowbrook. This isn't final and formal. Uh, this, is, this is some brainstorming. And uh, if it's not obvious, it's supposed to be a tree. <laughs> just, just use your imagination a little bit. So at the bottom um, is MB, uh, Meadowbrook Ministry Management Team, and then the Marked uh, Men Board. And, and again, as you go up, and so instead of the inverse, often when you look at an organizational chart in, in a workplace, uh, the CEO is on top. And... Uh, and so it's very intentional to try to invert that so that we be, we're the servants. Um, and out of that service, up the trunk, there's growth. There's branches. And, uh, and I think, again, that's very intentional. Because here's the thing. The seeds have been planted. There's, there's things that are taking root. And none of us know exactly what it's going to entail or what it's going to look like when God's done with it. And, and, and I trust that he's not going to be done with it. He's going to continue to grow this tree. Um, and so we're trying to be purposeful in starting something. Um, and it's way beyond any one of us to think that we can do this on our own or that we have a complete picture of what God is doing. But we wanted to be purposeful uh, nonetheless in, uh, in carrying forward something that we feel God is calling us to as a church. Um, I recall four plus years ago coming and asking Chris about men's ministry at Meadowbrook and there wasn't anything. I asked Pastor Mesh and, uh, and so I've often from this place, not physically, but from behind a pulpit, I've, I've often said that, uh, that if God is putting something on your heart, you're going there, you're asking about this, asking about that. Maybe he's asking you to do something about it. And, uh, 
And lo and behold, I guess I'm on that end now. I need I get to live it, right? And so just like in the workplace, in the workplace, uh, I've often told my people, it can't be a Sunday morning experience. It's got to carry over into Monday. Otherwise, you look into the book of James, faith without action is dead. James is an interesting book. And uh, yeah, I won't get on a, too much of a side trail there. But needless to say, um, God's up to something. We want to uh, be a part of it. We want to make you a part of it too, if you'll let us. And so uh, the ministry itself, we've, we've chosen a name, and that was also very interesting how that came about. Um, we're calling the group Marked Men. Um, and yet it's not about an event or a label. Um, it's an identity. I, so much so uh, that uh, through this effort, people will notice something is different. Something's different about these guys from Meadowbrook. What's going on? Um, and so that's our hope, is um, that because we're marked for eternity, um, people will take notice. When Chris asked a few Sundays ago about what we would want Jesus to do for us, for my response was just simply the word more. I want more. Lots more. Um, but then at the, at the split second when I had that thought or that thought came to me however it came about I realized that that means I have to do more and so I don't say that begrudgingly um, I, I'm ready <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's a little scary in some ways um, and so we don't want to overbuild this thing because again we don't have the thing we have something yeah, <laughs> thanks for that. That's like a dad joke, right? <clears throat> but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's an interesting prospect when you stand before God's church and you say, we're going to do something. And uh, what if it doesn't work? Oh, wait, that's doubt. What do we do with that? We worship and we carry on, right? And so that's our heart. We don't have it entirely formalized what the expectation for today, and I'll just cut right to the chase. We'd love to see some people come forward, whether you're men or women. Come forward, and, and I'll invite uh, after the singing. But come forward. Um, we're just taking some, some uh, contact information. If, if you want to learn more about what we're doing, uh, Greg's got a clipboard with, uh, where you put your name and information, and we will be in touch. Uh, a formal uh, sort of event that's coming up is on March 4th. We're, we're planning a, a men's breakfast. Yeah, just it seems to work. You know, bring food, guys will come, right? Um, again, it's not about the event. Uh, it's about uh, taking an active step of faith. And the initial effort will be that um, we choose somebody, one other man, and you commit to walking with them for one year. Um, just simply to see what God's got in it for us, right? Um, if you're coming with different expectations, different needs, let's hear all of that, right? Uh, again, we don't, we don't have everything formalized. If there's some guys that want to just get into a Bible study, uh, if there's somebody that wants to learn who Jesus is, it's a great place. Because I still want to know that. 
more. I think, I think we're going to do the singing part. <laughs> See, the, the, ex, the, the, the bar is way lower for me than for Chris. <laughs> thanks, Chris. And thanks for setting the bar so high. Yeah. It's, uh, you know how fortunate we are to have the, the type of... When we first started coming to Meadowbrook, I felt a little guilty because it was like we have a rock concert every Sunday. <laughs> yes! It's been good. Let's st- let's stand as uh, as we look to worship, and then we'll carry on.